Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. wanted to pop in here for a quick message before we start. So as you know, my new book, That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy and Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess is finally launching in early 2023, but we are getting the party started now. And I have some free juicy bonuses that I'm so thrilled to share with you when you pre-order your copies of thatsuckednowwhat.com at thatsuckednowwhat.com. And so we have my 12-month self-care calendar because let's face it, I know you're busy and I know self-care is sometimes the bottom of our list and I want to make it so easy to make self-nourishment happen for you on a weekly and monthly basis so you don't end up burnt out or ragged. So I put together the most incredible juicy collection of my tried and true practices, rituals, and even, you know, I love any chais. So I've gathered the most incredible chais from around the world, from rose hip chai to saffron chai to nourish, rejuvenate, and prioritize your well-being on a monthly basis and create daily and weekly self-care routines that are just focused on you, all conveniently laid out in a beautiful designed calendar. Then there's my five-day practice, my healing practice to help you fly forward in every area of your life. Now this is jam-packed with jump-starting your healing with meditation, and visualization exercises for five days that will completely transform your life, heal and strengthen your closest relationships, your love, and manifest your abundance, amplify your courage, and help you expand out of your comfort zone so that you can thrive and fly forward. And I can't forget to mention the digital workbook. That's right, the That Suck Now What digital workbook, all stunning and beautifully designed 40-page workbook to help you go deeper along with questions, prompts, and exercises to help you unleash your most resilient self. So get these, and these are just three of the five total bonuses that you will receive when you order a copy of this book for your yourself, for your friend, and for your loved one. I mean, get it for your two besties. And I have to tell you that these bonuses will be gone when the book comes out. So you can only get these freebies when you order your copies now at thatsuckednowwhat.com. And remember, the holidays are coming up, so don't forget to grab a copy, not for yourself, but for those special ones in your life. When you buy three, you get all five of these bonuses. Now, back to the show. Hello there, Brave Table fam. Welcome to another episode of The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha. And if you are watching this on YouTube, hi. Welcome to your destination, your oasis to be just a little bit more brave. And I am actually recording this um, here in Chicago this week. And it is the kickoff of the holiday season. 
And I've been doing a little bit of a press tour because you all know that That Sucked, Now What is available for pre-order, but it has kicked off the book season of interviews. And I'm so, so excited for you all to be pretty much the first ones to know if you were following me on IG You would probably have seen that when I was in Chicago, I was on TV for the very, very first time. And honestly, the little girl, the little 12-year-old girl in me was so, so excited because at 12, we had a project and it was Mr. Jones's class. Shout out to Disney Magnet School. And we had a project from Mr. Jones and we all had to either create a show. I don't really remember what the details of it was, but I remember when it was my turn to perform or, you know, kind of put on this skit. It literally was because Oprah was a big deal in Chicago, obviously. And I grew up watching that. She's like, you know, hometown. Harpo Studios was on the west side of Chicago. And it was my turn to kind of do the exercise. And my skit was recreating like the Oprah set. And so I was the host and I had people that I was interviewing and it was like a whole TV set, but this was 12 years old, right? And so for me to be live in a studio being interviewed by two people, which were the lovely folks at Chicago Today, NBC's Chicago Today, Matt Rodriguez and Courtney Hall was a huge deal for my little 12-year-old girl. So I was super giddy. I was obviously super nervous. And you know, a lot of times people have asked, how do you calm your nervous system or your nerves down when you're about to go on stage or give a talk or give a lecture? And you know, I think that we all can channel or shift the energy of what we're feeling. Because if it's something that you obviously are not seasoned at, there is going to be some nervousness, right? It's because you care and you've obviously heard about this. Nerves also trigger the same response that excitement does in the body. And once we are able to shift it from a sense of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, am I going to make a mistake? Am I going to fall on stage? Am I going to say the wrong things? Am I going to freeze? Once we get past those things and start shifting it to, and this is basically you know what I've been able to do or how I've been able to channel my most nervous moments into a grounding practice that I have that I actually talk about in my book and that's like now what, but also if we are able to shift that to, if that one person is watching or that one person is listening what are they going to benefit? How are they going to benefit? And just visualize them, visualize them in the audience, visualize them watching you give that talk or whatever, but have that person in your mind. And honestly, that has been the saving grace for me. And that's how I've been able to shift my nerves and calm them down so that it is conversational, so that is that composed confidence. So don't get me wrong, I was totally nervous, but to be able to anchor myself and have some of these phrases and tools that I've been talking about with you all on the Brave Table to be brave to suck at something new. Like I knew I wasn't going to be as seasoned as somebody that's been doing this This as their career for a really long time. But I know that with every single 
time I am sharing something in an interview, sharing something that's important, sharing something because in my heart, in my gut, in what I believe in, I want that to land with at least one person that is the person that I am anchoring or I'm holding on to. Yet also my mantra in this season is that sucked, now what? So if I say that sucked, now what? It's almost that reminder that, okay, it's not the biggest deal in the world if you say something that, you know, or you fumble your words or, you know, everything out of your mouth isn't completely perfect because there's no ideal of that, right? And this is just coming from somebody who is a recovering perfectionist. So before we start today's conversation and topic. So first of all, it's been so great to be back in my hometown city. It's great because I feel like I come here at least once a year, if not twice a year. And this time I came with my son and he's four now. And so it's great to just see his perspective and lens of the world and to start building those moments with him has just been really fun. Even though I have been so slammed and it's interesting because as we are diving into the holiday season, when we are going to be seeing family members, spending time with and visiting loved ones that we probably only see once or maybe twice a year, or you know, maybe some of you just choose not to spend time with them, I want to set the tone and the stage for, I guess, some of the conversations that I've been asked to talk about on a lot of media outlets recently is how to have difficult conversations. And, you know, if you're in the US, what's been coming up is we've had elections, we've had very, you know, divisive political viewpoints, super right, super left. And even, you know, in the last few years, it's been tough to state something that you believe in without upsetting somebody's feelings or walking on eggshells because you know that a fight is going to come off. But I feel like we've lost the art of being able to agree to disagree respectfully. And I felt like today's episode should really reflect how to, if you are going to be brave to bring those tough conversations up, how to have those tough conversations. And maybe there are times where maybe we don't have those conversations, but what are those variables? And can you be that way shower for your family? And I would love to start by pulling one of my cards that are from, if you're watching this, so I have my affirmation cards and these are basically, they're 52 affirmation cards and what to do after you've had a sucky human moment, right? Because we've all had them. So if you've, you're going into the holiday season and seeing family members that you may have not talked to in a while, or you know it triggers, it riles you up, this is probably the card deck to order. They are going to be live if they aren't already, and they will be live to order for the holidays. So... All right. So here we go. This is our card. And each of these cards, these 52 cards in a deck, basically it has an affirmation and then it has an action side on the other side. And so the affirmation, ooh, okay. This is the one that I picked right before I press record. I take personal responsibility for the actions, people, and circumstances I attract to teach me more about myself. I accept each moment with gentle compassion and love. Oh, okay. So this action I'm passing on to you all, write down one thing you can forgive yourself for today, this week, and one action you can take this week 
to help you let go. Wow. Okay. So that is big because many times we cannot control the family members, the ones who we were born into, right? We may have had soul contracts with them. And maybe a lot of times it is that patience and that grit and that resiliency that we have to build when we are in relation with them. And I hope that by the end of this episode today, you have a little bit more compassion with yourself that maybe not all things need to be brought up. And perhaps maybe there can be a different way of relating to your family members, which is why I actually created a 40 prompt card deck that is our conversation cards or conversation cards. And each of them have prompts and they're basically based off of the bounce factor, which is basically four parts. And hopefully you guys all know how to build your bounce factor now, but it's basically to spark your curiosity, bridge connection and create fun and meaningful conversations. And when I say fun, I mean fun, but around four parts. So your radical self-awareness, your emotional capacity, your upbringing, and your stretch zone, your good stress, what you like and what you don't like. So I'm going to pick one for us. Okay. Let's see. Ooh. Okay. This is our stretch zone, your emotional capacity. So if you're watching this, you could see this one's blue or uh, blush pink. And on the other side, what's something you gave up on? Why did you give up? And have you moved on from it or want to try again? So that's something to sit with. And perhaps maybe when you are relating with family members during this holiday season, maybe you can use this card and this question prompt to spark dialogue that can engage your family members differently. And I want to bring up the... There's been a few articles that have come up around just the holidays and people getting together. And there is this Washington Post article, and I'll put it in the show notes, but it says each week, as much as 70% of meals are eaten away from home and fewer than one in three families on average eat together more than twice a week, according to the Family Dinner Project at Massachusetts General Hospital. Holidays mean mix of people who don't normally spend time together, chatty grandparents and sullen teens, picky eaters and exuberant noshers, sober friends and holiday imbibers, vegetarians and turkey lovers, liberals and conservatives, skilled chefs and bad cooks, the vax and the unvax. So how to lessen the family fights during the holidays. And I don't know about any of you, if any of you, I know in the States, we just celebrated Thanksgiving and that's a huge holiday for us in the States. And For those of you around the world, I know Diwali brings a lot of people together. And I know even for us, we've had our overseas family members come and visit us during Diwali and be with us during Diwali. And it's the same thing, right? You'll have certain conversations, certain things that will come up that may trigger you. And what do you do? Do you avoid them at all costs? At what point do you say, okay, I want to honor my voice. I want to honor myself. Do I emotionally dump from years past? And is there a right or wrong way to do it? Well, there's (laughs) the wrong way to do it. Like we could definitely get into that. The wrong way to do it is what I would definitely do in the past. And that was try to change everyone's opinion and be because I was such a way shower for my family. I was the one leading the pack. I was the inspirer, the, you know, black sheep, the rainbow sheep, whatever, you know, that that person who did something completely different. 
And I wanted to bring everybody along. And if you're like me, you're like, I want everybody to prioritize growth. I want everybody to drink the Kool-Aid that I'm drinking. I want everyone to to see that life isn't so bad or so tough that you could actually change your reality. You know, you're knee deep in growth. You're knee deep in asking yourself a different question and you want to take everyone with. Well, you know, or maybe you've learned it the hard way already that not everyone is ready for that journey. Not everyone is ready to be on the same page as you. And I think that's the biggest thing, I guess, that I've learned over the last probably decade of my own transformation, my own involvement is while I am such a champion of speaking your truth and sharing your voice and sharing the way that you feel, you've got to be able to read the room. And that's the biggest thing. Read the room because it's going to be completely out of context if you are trying to take and shift somebody's views that have probably been 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, maybe 70 years. In my case, my aunt's 75. Do you really think that person's going to change, right? And we know this from just basic 101 personal growth, right? They have to be open to it. Now, there are ways that we can spark dialogue. There are ways that we can start planting those seeds to think something new, right? So... In our holiday traditions, we did something very different this year because, you know, we were in Chicago and our families got together and decided that we were going to either, they're going to not be at home, so the TV wasn't going to be on, or we were going to take the reins and place an order for everyone on family dinner. So these are the two options, right? So that we can control the types of food that was going to be prepared And I know that many times we don't have those choices because many times our families, that's how they show love in the foods that they're eating. But for us, that was, you know, a a big non-negotiable. And we presented it as, hey, we're going to do this thing. We want everybody to get together. But it was our way of being able to introduce, you know, healthier ways of the same Thanksgiving holiday. And also because my husband's vegetarian and he doesn't really eat turkey and all the other, you know, American fixins, although he's been open to it for a while, but we're trying to kind of have this like fusion thing. So those were some of the things that we had agreed upon. So if we are trying to get buy-in from people who are either they are feisty or they just want to fight or they want to pick a bone at you or they are trying to poke the bear. I mean, this is honestly what has been such a big thing to talk about around you know family dinner tables. And what I shared and what I'll share with you is... So we have to, number one, read the room, right? Know who is in your audience. And that's even persuasion 101. That's marketing 101, right? Know your audience. And by the way, I'm not the best at this either. I'm like also learning, but I've had many, many sucky failed attempts at this. And I'll pass on what I've also actually wrote in in the book uh, because I think human dynamics, interpersonal dynamics, you know, I've been fascinated about ever since I was young. And it's obviously been because I've had to grow up early. I did lose my family really early. And it was just a different conversation that we were having. It was very dark. It was very like sad. And and I wanted to now in community gatherings and when I bring people together, I want it to be harmonious. I want it to be love-based. I want it to have deep connections because in my mind, in my 
viewpoint on life, okay, we only have a certain amount of time here. And why not extract the juice? Why not make it juicy and joyous and fun instead of having it be hard? Because I've seen all of that. I've lived through that. I've been through that. I don't want that. And sometimes it does need to happen, right? It can't just be all joy. It does need to happen. And for years, I'd get so upset at myself when I would be the one to start the family fight or everyone's like, why do you have to always do this? Because I wanted everybody to change on my terms and wanted everybody to grow with. And they're kind of like, well, since when did you get so healthier? Since when, you know, and then the comments start rolling in. Oh, you just think you're better than us. And it's like, actually, no, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm obsessed. And I want everybody to like learn as much as me. And we know that is not going to happen, right? Your family will put you in your place in like two seconds flat and or you will be eating dinner by yourself like that Washington Post article uh, is suggesting. And so well, what can you do? And so, you know, card decks like the one I've created are fabulous. They're great. They're intentional. And obviously, you know, not a plug for my own, but great if you if you want to get them. They are incredible and they're flying off the shelves. And I think that it's giving people an opportunity to you know deepen their connections. And in the cards, conversation cards that. I was, because I've been obsessed with cards because that's been a way to gently introduce people to connecting. And, you know, one of my favorites is Cards Against Humanity. I mean, they're a little raw and raunchy, but it's, you know, it's been fun to use those. But any other ones that you could find, like I didn't find any that were, you know, exactly in the themes of even building resiliency and actually getting deep, going deep with your loved ones, right? And so this was an opportunity for me, especially with a book, that it just came through in these ways of, okay, what are the most common questions that will help someone build their resiliency with their family where maybe they're getting a taste of a little bit of growth, a little bit of a perspective shift, a little bit of releasing the barriers, releasing kind of the walls that have been built up, releasing the resentment that have been, you know, shoved under a rug, releasing the you know the 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 wounds and the hurts and the past traumas where you can all just sit alongside of each other and just share a question go around the circle and share a question and and it's been honestly fun then then there's no need for those crazy weird conversations about some of the divisive topics that come up around politics or around who are you voting for or around? Is somebody watching fake news or whatever other things that cause really big debates? But I also think there is a healthy way to respect somebody else's opinion. And if we all had the same opinions, then we wouldn't have the diversity of thinking, okay? The diversity of think tank that we all possess as humans. And so... As you get into the holiday season, I want you to think about that. I want you to think of, well, can I approach my family with curiosity, with love, and with compassion? Curiosity, love, and compassion. And if I'm being triggered in a conversation, the first thing that you can do is put your hand over your heart because that's really your signal. That's a physical signal to say, okay, my nervous system is getting activated. My nervous system is getting triggered. I've got myself. This is a physical way of like calming yourself down before reacting. Take a breath. And usually when you're triggered, you'll only breathe from your chest. 
and your hand is over your chest, but hopefully it'll allow you to breathe deeper than that, or at least to slow your breathing down and then say, all right, that sucked. Now what? Now what? What is my next step? What is my next step? Am I going to sit here and lean into the discomfort of this? Or am I going to think about where in me am I getting triggered? Is this my seven-year-old self that's getting triggered from my older brother or my uncle who used to pick at me when I was a little kid or my mom who compares me to my sibling? Like, Where is that trigger coming from? If you can, because in the moment, you may not be able to, and that's okay. Yet, if you know that it is a little part of you, the little girl or the little boy in you that's like, oh, there they go again. There they go again. You can stop yourself. And you can also excuse yourself. You can say, you know what? I actually don't know enough about this topic to comment. And actually, I'm going to take a walk. I need to take a breather. I need to take a call. You know, make your excuse to leave. Okay. But again, know your audience, know your room. And you don't have to apologize. You don't have to say anything. You can even simply say, I'm going to excuse myself. I'm going to use the restroom. And so, You can choose the amount of which you are going to participate in the dialogue, in the conversation. Yet, I think that many times when we enter in debate, because we haven't given ourselves the tools and we shy away from these conversations, that we just don't know how. And then it becomes an all-sum, black and white, you know, zero-sum game where it's either everyone needs to agree with me or nobody's agreeing with me and everyone's dumb and stupid or you're judging them. But instead, why can't we appreciate where the other person's coming from? And I've just seen this so much and even with my own values of health, because as you all have known, I've had some pretty, pretty intense, very rigorous values around health. And I've I've leaned it out over the course of the last few years ever since, you know, having babies, two of them. Yet I still have a strong sense of of health that I would love my kids to, or just for my children, right? Growing up. And there are things that I do not allow the, let's just say the grandparents from India or my pseudo parents, my aunt and uncle from Chicago to give my kids. And they still do all, all the time. I mean, you know, Ari gets lollipops and these things and we try to minimize sugar. And that sometimes triggers me so much where I get so frustrated. I'm like, I've had this conversation with her nicely over and over and over again. And she still doesn't listen. And so now I'm like, okay, why does she feel the need to do that? Ah, okay. I get it. She wants to be the liked grandparent. That's fair. She doesn't see them quite a bit. She wants to spoil them. Okay, that's fair. Where is that coming from? Well, she was off to boarding school at 10 years old. Her dad never visited her. So she is trying to gain that love from her grandkids. You know, you all don't have to go into like psychoanalyzing your parents or family members like I do, but it's giving me a sense of compassion for me not to get triggered by her, my aunt, or it could be my mother-in-law or whomever, right? And I'm sharing this as a real example because we are human. We are going to get triggered. That's okay. But can we lean into why people are reacting in the ways they are? I think we forget their humanity. I think we just start judging. We start blaming. We start getting all up in arms and our ego comes in to protect ourselves, to protect our knowledge, to want to be right. And can we just throw being right out of the window? 
And can we just say, and here are some ways, if you want to build your muscle at having more difficult dialogue, difficult conversations, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Oh, okay. So you believe in this or you voted this way or you're doing this way. Tell me more about that. And pay attention to what they're actually saying, right? Again, you can calm your nervous system, put your hand over your heart, even if you feel that you're being triggered. I think so many times people just want to be heard. They want to be validated. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be smart. They want to be told that they are smart. But most people want to be heard. And most of the time, when we do get into arguments with our loved ones or get triggered by our loved ones, we just don't have the tools or don't know how to repair and reconcile a conversation. And so here are some of the ways to do that. So, and you can practice this and let me know if you've done this with your family. So as you would any conversation with somebody that you love or even like a working relationship, right? You want to ask for permission. So even if it's a family member or, you know, sibling, uncle, aunt, mom, dad, you know, hey, can I just, can I bring something up? I just wanted to, you know, is it okay if this is a good time to bring something up that happened? Or may I give you some, you know, just wanted to talk about this thing that's been on my mind is now a good time. So ask for permission to bring that thing or whatever situation is up, right? And if it's something that they continue to do, like for example, my aunt giving my kid lollipops every time they go somewhere, <laughs> you know, you want to state the facts. Okay, well, the last three times that you've taken Ari out, I've noticed that you are, you know, constantly getting him lollipops. You know how I feel about that. And you want to state the facts of what actually happened. It's not always or never, right? You never show up to anything that I put on or you're always ghosting me or you're never answering my emails. You want to just state exactly like when were the few instances that this thing happened, right? And then you want to share, well, your feelings. So step three is sharing your feelings. How did that particular thing make you feel? Now, this can be really, really tricky. So again, read the room. And it doesn't mean that you're emotionally dumping. It could just mean that you are then sharing your voice. But know, if you're reading the room, know who you are sharing that with. Because sometimes on the receiving end, especially in interpersonal human dynamics, you want to make that person feel safe. Because I know that if I would share anything like this container with, let's just say my brother or my aunt or you know cousin of mine that we're really, really, really close, but we know we can trigger each other really... like You could probably think of the three people that trigger you the most, right? Closest people to you. You know that if you don't set this container safe and you can say this, you can say, hey, and I'm going to share something with you. And this is all just my feelings. This has nothing to do with you. This has nothing to do with you, but I feel like I just need to get it off my chest. But know that on the receiving end, they might get defensive. They might get triggered because you're sharing how you feel. And it, and maybe they can't hold that sort of pain. They can't hold your discomfort. It makes them feel uncomfortable. So think about that, right? Because that has nothing to do with you. But a lot of times this is how the reconciliation and repair gets mushed because then they get upset or riled up and then they're saying, you know, they're barking back at you and then it becomes a full-blown, you know, fight and somebody's, you know, eating at the holiday dinner table by themselves. So it's okay to share your feelings. I really felt sad or I really felt 
slighted or I really felt disrespected or however you felt, right? And in a normal, healthy, functional relationship, which we know a lot of our interpersonal ones may or may not be <laughs> that, it may be dysfunctional, right? And that's that's just the the nature of our human dynamics. And, and every opportunity is a chance to learn. Believe me, I'm still a student at this myself. Yet, when you are sharing your feelings, you are also sharing your boundary of how that particular thing made you feel. And you can also say, this has nothing to do with you. Although, let's be honest, all of your close family members, they may take it to heart and that's okay. That has everything to do with them, but it's nothing to do with you, right? And then you can even say, I just would love for you to hear me out. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to share anything. I would love for you to just hear me, listen to me. And we can propose a resolution. So the fourth thing and the last thing is propose a resolution and then come to an agreement. So a resolution could be, hey, I would love if we could, you know, set something on the calendar or maybe if it's okay that we can maybe see each other twice a year or three times a year, I'd really love that. Or or can we plan our next visit together in the New York? Because I really want to have a deep connection with you or I really want to spend time with you outside of family or what have you, but you want to propose something. And if things are getting too triggered, you can say, you know what, I would love to circle back on this conversation. I think things are just getting too heated. Can we circle back on this when we're both calm and maybe when we're walking outside or at a cafe or I can take you to dinner? How does next week sound, right? And then you want to end with coming up with an agreement, coming up with an agreement with your, with the, with the person. And I think that if we can lean into having those difficult conversations, do we need to avoid it altogether? I mean, the reason why people avoid it altogether is because they are afraid of conflict. They don't know. Most of us have never been taught how to actually fight respectfully. And that's in our love relationships, right? In a marriage. So if we're now, if you know anybody going to therapy or reading uh, relationship books, you'll know that in relationship, the healthiest thing that you can do in a relationship is to fight with that best friend is to fight. So what about your closest family members? And you're probably like, Nita, well, it takes two. And normally in a love relationship, there's two people that want to work on it, or there's two people that want to have that dialogue in as you know best friends in a relationship. But your family members, you can't control. And you're right about that. But you can control your output. You can control your compassion for that person. You can control the seeds that you plant. And you can control your reaction to their acceptance, rejection, upsetness, etc. You can control your reaction to that. Now, it doesn't mean every single time it's going to get harder. Maybe every single time in the beginning, you lean into building this like very tiny, tiny muscle of yours to have these tough conversations. But every time we have them, we get a little bit better at regulating our own emotional system, right? And regulating our emotions to when people disagree with us. Because I remember in my 20s, I was such a hothead. And perhaps maybe because I had so much frustration, anger, fear, so many things, and a very dysregulated nervous system because of all of the survival mode that I had and didn't have a place to put it. And plus, I was taught growing up, like 
anger wasn't a place for girls. Anger and even tough girls don't cry. So these are two things in my mind. And so now, I, in, especially in the book, I've been able to create this emotional release practice where, and of course, thank goodness to my kids who allowed this expression of being able to roar like a dinosaur, stomp like a dinosaur. But it's true because if we make it silly, if we make it fun, then we're not judging ourselves either. That we could actually fully express in that and emote in those ways, but we're also actually releasing it. And it's great to watch the next generation of littles do that. Now with our family members, as I end this conversation today, I would love for you to think it's okay to suck at something new. It's okay to, yeah, get into debate, get into a discourse that may not have a good outcome. Be okay to sit in the discomfort of the suck, even if that conversation did not go well. Because guess what? Next time you have that conversation, maybe you won't take things to heart. Maybe you'll have better tools, better ways to wrap your head around that difficult conversation so that it becomes less difficult and less difficult until it becomes normalized to have healthy dialogue, debate, and be okay with not agreeing every time. Whoa, would that be a cool concept? If instead of like not you know, or, or, or letting go of friends that don't agree with your same opinion on things, maybe they can still be friends with you or you can still be friends with them and just say, okay, we agree to disagree, but I still love you as a human. I still love you, Uncle Jack or Bua or Auntie or Uncle, even though we don't agree on certain things. I can still love you from afar and wish you well. And maybe we can have like a, a nice meal together and we can lean into the that suck now what conversation card deck because I can get to know you in a different capacity and know how you and what motivates you and what drives you into thinking and doing and feeling the way that you feel, which is why and how our beliefs are formed, our opinions are formed. And most of the time, we're so quick to write somebody off because they don't believe in the same things as we do. But instead, which is why I'm so excited about these cards, these cards give you that opportunity to go deeper with somebody so that you can understand their humanity. And because of that, build a bridge. And when you're building the bridge, you're actually perhaps maybe even the tiniest slight of you is changing your perspective about that person and having a little bit more compassion with them along the way. So I love this so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as we get into the holiday season, we're already there. Yeah, I would love, love for you to practice leaning into difficult conversations. You are gonna suck. It's not gonna be good. It might be messy. It might be chaotic and so on. That's the beauty of it. You get better every single time. And if we can encourage more of that and not shy away from it, not be afraid to suck and have difficult conversations. I'm not saying everybody needs to be mad at each other. Other, that's not what I'm saying, but doing it in a way where it's from a loving place, it's from a compassionate place, and it's from a place of curiosity, not judgment. I think there could be some magic there. So I would love to know what you think. And if this episode is fruitful for you in any way, please share this with another friend, another family member, and see maybe that can spark debate. That suck now what.com is there for you to scoop up all of your juicy bonuses. Maybe get these books for your family member, gift them to your family members and friends. 
I mean, it would be so amazing. We are doing a pre-order campaign right now at thatsucknowwhat.com before the book comes out in January and it allows our publisher to print as many books as we need. So those pre-orders are so, so important to make sure that when the book comes out on January 31st, we have made enough for you all. And so when you actually place your order now for your family, for your friends, when you order three copies, you also get my guide to creating your support soul posse. And that could actually be with the ones that you love. And it's a 16 page guide that helps you create the most juiciest and meaningful relationships. If you want to go deeper with friends, people that you grew up with, or just create a new slew of folks in your life, go ahead and grab it. I'm so, so excited to serve you, to serve you some love. And I will see you next time. 